at it with another episode of For the Dreamers Podcast. We're going to switch gears a little bit today and talk about something a little different than our normal subject matter. I know on the show we cover a lot of digital marketing strategies and we bring on a lot of marketing professionals to give tips and advice on how to conquer digital marketing in your everyday life um, and apply those towards your small business and side hustles. But I want to talk about something today that's been dominating headlines over the last year and a half. Bitcoin. It dominated headlines as recent as last fall with its meteoric rise. Um, You had people that were not even investors or people that were really interested in financial industry and things like that that were talking about it. You know, I heard heard it at the barbershop. You saw it on CNN and CNBC like crazy or whatever you listen to or read. I'm sure you've heard of Bitcoin. But then all of a sudden it went quiet. You don't hear about it dominating headlines anymore. You don't see it in main culture and pop culture being referenced as frequently. So what happened? What happened to Bitcoin? When we were all talking about it just six, eight months ago, it seemed like this was the hot new thing. This was the way to make lots of money very quickly with relatively little effort. Or so that's what it seemed like. Well, today I kind of want to bring someone on that can share a little bit about his own experience and his own investments and his own story about how he kind of got involved with Bitcoin, why he invested in it, and why he's still following and keeping his money in Bitcoin. I know there's been a lot of stories out there. I know there's been a lot of financial analysts commenting on it. And I want to make no guarantees. This is not a segment for us to advise on how to invest your money. I want to make it clear that we aren't professional analysts. We're not professional financial services folks either. And so nothing that you hear on the podcast today will be a recommendation, a guarantee, or even sound advice. All we're doing is sharing stories and experiences about our own interactions with Bitcoin and how it impacted our lives, what our perspectives are, and you can take that as you wish. Go do your own research, go look up experts in the field, and understand a little bit more, but I think it's such an important and interesting topic. So many people have come into contact with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency from all walks of life. And so I want to switch gears. I want to talk about something that's relevant and topical. And to help me do so, I got my man, Justin Amato here. He's my guy. And we're just going to talk today. Thanks for coming on, Justin. Yeah, I'm glad to be on the podcast. Hey, so we've been talking about Bitcoin forever. I mean, we work together for all those that might be listening. Me and Justin have... Another mode of life where we work together and, and, and we see each other pretty much every day and interact with each other on a daily basis. And for a long time, within the last six months, Bitcoin dominated our lunchtime conversations. I mean, Justin was on fire. I mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, yeah, like you said, six months ago, maybe a little bit longer, definitely during the summer, I would not shut up about it. And the reason for that is because I invested in Bitcoin in the spring of last year, so late May, early June, about a year and a couple months ago. And uh, I invested when it was about just under $3,000. And from there, Bitcoin's price started taking off. And it was this steady growth all throughout the summer and into the fall, like you mentioned. And then we had this meteoric rise where 
the numbers just didn't make sense anymore. It was going through the roof. Yeah. Um, but as I followed it, you know, whenever you put your money into something, you're going to follow it and you're going to do research. Um, I probably should have done more research before I put my money into it, but I, I, everybody's Everyone attention was, was caught it, right? by it. Yeah, everyone was so doing it. when I put a little bit of money into it, I started researching it and learning more about what's behind Bitcoin, blockchain technology, and some of the other offerings that we're getting with uh, cryptocurrency. And it was, it's been a, a very interesting journey and I've, I've learned a lot about it. So along those lines, like we mentioned, everyone was doing it around this time. It seemed like the hot, cool thing to do. You did your own research. You mentioned that you wish you had done a little more at the beginning before you put money into it. But what drew you in to the world of Bitcoin, cryptocurrency? Because there's still traditional methods of investing money and putting money into the stock market and things like that. So what was the interest here for Bitcoin? Yeah, so Bitcoin, I had heard about it before, I think like most people, and, and I didn't know too much about it. I knew it was a cryptocurrency, but I don't think I even knew what that meant, necessarily. Um, I figured it was fake money, you know. Right. So, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, but it was definitely the rise in price how quickly when i saw it soar past two thousand dollars i thought oh wow this it's really taking off there must be something here there's a reason why this price is is, is growing yeah. and then uh the more the price went up the more people were interested in right. it the more people buying kept the price going up and it just you know they kind so of just fed each other yeah the, massive amount <laughs> the of snake was made. chasing its tail right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um you know, so it was kind of hard to ignore. I don't think any of us could have. Mm -hmm. And I had gotten in at a time where, you know, I was able to kind of follow that ride from when it just started hitting headlines until it was nothing, there was nothing else in the news, it seemed. Right. <laughs> How did you beat the skepticism, though? And I think that's such an interesting angle uh, for a lot of people, including myself, because I remember when you first approached me about this and were like, look, I'm putting some money into Bitcoin. I'm taking real money out of my account, you know, in the bank, and I'm going to go put this in a cryptocurrency. It's not tangible. I have, you know, it was it was a lot of skepticism from people from casual. I won't say casual walks of life, but all different type walks of life that are casually connected to the financial industry. I really might not understand stocks and how markets work, like myself. And I had a lot of skepticism because I didn't understand right. it, and so. How did you beat the skepticism? Was sure. it just lots of research? Was there recommendations for people that you knew that had invested? How did you kind of just get enough activation energy to overcome the hurdle of, eh, I don't really understand it, so I'm not going to trust it? So, uh, actually, unfortunately, it wasn't a lot of research. Again, like I said before, I wish I had done more research. But uh, what I did was, um, once I was interested in it, one thing that I did look at was the price history of Bitcoin. And... Um, and I saw that throughout its history, it's it's kind of fluctuated in price. It it has these points of stagnation, and then all of a sudden, this very quick rise, and then more stagnation. And it's, that's kind of been what it's been doing this whole time, including what we just saw. That uh, kind of fits its historic pattern, which I'll get a little more into later, I guess. But um, I started by putting an amount of money into Bitcoin that I felt comfortable with. And even though like a Bitcoin right now is worth over six thousand dollars, 
you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. So mm -hmm. if you want to do a $10 experiment or a $50 experiment, you can. And the exchanges that we have, you know, uh, I use Coinbase, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, that exchange allows you to pretty much purchase any amount that you want, big right. or small. Uh, there are limitations when you get to the higher item, uh, or the higher price range, but as far as like doing a ten dollar experiment, you can definitely do that. So I just started with a very safe amount of money. Right. What's interesting though is you started with a safe amount of money, <laughs> and I know this from interacting with you. It didn't. It didn't. You didn't stay. It wasn't just one initial no. investment. I'm gonna test it out. You believed in this enough to continue to invest mm -hmm. and to continue to invest um, and watch how the market responded to Bitcoin as a whole. You watched how things within the cryptocurrency world were reacting. You had many other coins coming online. You had yeah. these, things, these initial coin offerings, ICOs that were coming online. So there was a lot of activity. Maybe talk about how you navigated that early kind of time period when you're getting involved you're putting some money into bitcoin something that was a brand name something that was known but then how did you really kind of navigate the waters sure. of the lands or not the waters but the landscape i should say um of cryptocurrency yeah. to really understand what i was in, what you were investing in was a valuable or the best bet mm -hmm. and then b with so much activity and things going on to distract how did you stay focused throughout the summer as the price kept going up I did keep buying a little bit, and my goal originally was to buy a whole Bitcoin before the end of the year, but the price was going up so fast that I just couldn't do it. Um, but the fact that I had skin in the game now, and I was continually buying, you know, that my, my account started to grow, which makes me want to pay attention, or made me want to pay attention more to what was happening to Bitcoin. The more I paid attention to it, the more I realized that there was this whole cryptocurrency community mm -hmm. and blockchain community that were working on multiple projects and then I, I discovered these other projects I discovered ICOs which are initial coin offerings which are uh, people offering new cryptocurrencies to raise money for their projects and altcoins yeah. you know, eventually these ICOs would become an altcoin altcoin is basically any coin that's not a Bitcoin so Having my money invested in Bitcoin forced me to um, kind of follow the news a little bit more and, and dive a little deeper into that community. And uh, as I did, I, in, I decided I wanted to diversify. You know, sometimes I noticed, sometimes um, Bitcoin would struggle, but Ethereum, which is another cryptocurrency, would do well. And that one has a different approach, you know. Uh, there are different nuances to these various crypto coins that make them more attractive. For example, Bitcoin is limited to the amount of Bitcoin that will ever exist, right. but other cryptocurrencies are unlimited and they will just constantly create uh, new, new coins. So, you know, <clears throat> those are some things that I, I want to consider. Again, I'm not really a financial analyst, so it's mm -hmm. tough for me to take that information and really necessarily do anything meaningful with it, but, you know, Again, it forced me to kind of research these things and, and look into them. And it
All right, so let's look big picture for a moment. So last fall, we had this meteoric rise in the price of Bitcoin. And then the new year comes and you don't hear about it anymore. And so I'm wondering what happened. I've read that the price of Bitcoin has gone down significantly since last fall. Um, a lot of people within, I feel like, the mainstream jumped off the bandwagon. I saw it on Twitter. I saw lots of jokes about you know people getting rich overnight on Bitcoin or hustling Bitcoin and things like that. But all of a sudden, that ceased. So... If you can maybe like just share your perspective and some of the things that you've researched and read about, what happened to Bitcoin? Yeah, so like you said, it, it, it rose a lot in the fall. Uh, I think it hit almost $20,000. Wow. Um, and then shortly after that, it, it dropped pretty significantly, and now it's hovering around just over $6,000. And uh, there are a lot of contributing factors to that. You know, with... With the rise of the price, first of all, a lot of people accurately pointed out that the the rise was unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was fueled by that, like we discussed earlier, that circular momentum that it had. The higher the price, the more attention it got, the more people were buying it, making it more scarce, and thus driving the price up. So that can only grow so much before the majority of the people who are interested in buying it have been reached. And then, you know, then you're going to, it's not going to uh, be able to sustain itself. Mm. So I think the, the price right there at the end grew too quickly. And I think a lot of that, if I remember correctly at the time, there was a, a couple of forks that just had passed. Uh, and I, mean, I can talk about forks if you want uh, a little bit later. But there were a couple of forks that had passed. And Wall Street was about to speculate on the price of, of Bitcoin. So there were Bitcoin futures being traded on the market, and that was coming up soon. Um, so I think those contributed to the meteoric rise in, in the spike in the price. Um, right after that, once the Bitcoin futures started trading, I think a lot of these people bet against Bitcoin, which right. is good because now they've made quite a bit of money off doing that. Um, but also we saw a lot of SEC regulation. And I think that scared uh, investors away who loved the freedom mm-hmm. of these cryptocurrencies. And, you know, now they're going to definitely have to pay taxes on it, even right. though they were supposed to be anyway. But it's going to be enforced a little uh, harder. The other thing that happened were a lot of governments banned the cryptocurrency. And even though many of them reversed the ban shortly after banning them, uh, when that type of news hits, it hits the price of Bitcoin pretty hard. Right. And it doesn't always necessarily recover uh, back to its uh, previous price. Another thing, and I don't know if you remember seeing this in the news, but a lot of people who had made money off of Bitcoin uh, were getting hacked. And it's funny because, it's actually not funny, it's terrible, but yeah. in the past, uh, there was a pretty big hack that, as far as I remember, that was one of like the biggest news stories that I had heard about Bitcoin prior to, to you know me investing in, in this time period. Um, and with all of that and with the price dropping, that circular momentum again that we discussed uh, can revert, work in the reverse way where... As the price drops, it becomes less trendy. Less people are interested in buying it. Mm-hmm. More people are selling it, which is you know driving the value down. And that kind of led us to where we're at right now. Um, there are a few other contributing factors that I that have to do with the way Bitcoin specifically is structured. Yeah. You know, uh, Bitcoin relies on mining difficulty to. Mm-hmm. 
um, control the distribution of coins. And that mining difficulty, unfortunately, doesn't adjust fast enough to kind of keep up with with the Bitcoin trading prices. So, yeah. you know, sometimes it's not worth it for these miners who are getting paid to process these transactions to right. do so. And one of the great benefits of, of Bitcoin was how quickly you could transfer money. Right. So if the miners aren't processing your transaction, now you might have to wait days before your transaction completes. Which doesn't really give it an advantage over traditional currencies i would say yeah okay so i think that definitely contributed to it and um you may or may not have heard of forks where you know you hear okay we've got bitcoin now all of a sudden we've got bitcoin gold and bitcoin cash Mm -hmm. what are these well these are um these are groups of people who are trying to address those issues Mm -hmm. and say okay we're going to uh fork the block uh, the Bitcoin blockchain. We're going to take all the transactions that have happened and we're going to now create a new set of transactions that picks up where those left off under this new set of rules. Mm-hmm. And these rules are going to address, for example, that mining difficulty mm-hmm. issue that I pointed out. Right. There is a downside to these forks. They create doubt. You know, when people, you know, if you heard that there's going to be a, we have the U.S. dollar and now we're going to switch to, to a, this other currency that you can use in tandem with the U.S. dollar right. and it might cause, uh, it probably definitely cause instability in our currency. And that's what I think happened to Bitcoin. So there were a lot of factors that contributed to it. But mm-hmm. one thing that, the reason I, I never pulled my money out uh, of my Bitcoin is, one, remember I said that I've only made investments that I'm comfortable losing, and that's right. important. Uh, and two is, if you look at the history of Bitcoin, it has done this in the past. It gets trendy and the price skyrockets, and then it drops back down. And um, as far as I know, every time the price drops back down, it drops down to a level that was higher than it was before it started trending. And I'm kind of counting on that. You know, it was one article I had read last spring when I first got uh, invested was, had you invested some small amount of money, like 10 or or $100 in Bitcoin, uh, because of its growth over the last seven years at the time, uh, it would have been worth millions of dollars. Wow. So I thought, even if, even if I get, if I have a ten-year investment in Bitcoin and it has even a fraction of that growth, that's still going to result in a nice, you know, investment over the long term. Yeah. And the reason that I stayed in for even longer is because as I started to research blockchain technology, I saw that it wasn't just about making a quick buck. There's actually technology here that's useful in the real world that you know people are investing time into, not just money, and they're making applications that are decentralized, and there's benefits to those applications. Right, and I, and I think that's a great segue, and I kind of want to talk to talk about that, especially from the perspective of digital marketers. And there is blockchain technology, the same blockchain technology that helped drive the popularity and the influence of something like Bitcoin in the financial industry. There's stuff like that in blockchain technology applications that are impacting content development, social interaction, and things that marketers and digital marketers are big fans of. And I wanted you to kind of spend some time and talk about some of the different applications and programs that you come across that apply, uh, sorry, not Bitcoin, but blockchain technology to other different facets and areas um, that 
marketers and influencers would be interested in. Sure. Yeah, one important thing to point out as far as the advantage of blockchain technology, and I keep throwing this word decentralized out. And what that means is the the blockchain transactions or any activity occurring on the blockchain is being processed by various users in the Mm -hmm. community. Not a centralized unit. Not a centralized unit. For example, everything that you do on your favorite social media site, Facebook or YouTube Mm -hmm. or Twitter, is all happening on Facebook, YouTube, and or Google and Twitter's servers. Right. You know, and they're in control of it. Hence why when you use these um, services, you're seeing a lot of advertisement Mm -hmm. because that's how they keep the lights on and it makes sense. Well, with the decentralized social media platform, or application, the users are the ones that are processing all of the information. It's their electric bill that's paying to, you know, put, put your feet up on a wall or whatever it is. Right. And so, so what's nice about that is you don't have to worry about ad revenue. Now, since the the blockchain lends itself very well to creating a cryptocurrency, and that's what you know Bitcoin is. That's not the only use for blockchain, obviously. But since it lends itself well to creating coins, you can now be paid in cryptocurrency for your content. So one example that I've discussed with you before is a, a site called Steemit, and this isn't an endorsement or anything, but I just think it's an. Int- uh, now spell that. I'm sorry, sure, sure, spell no, that really quick. Steemit is spelled S T E E M I T. So Steemit is a platform based on Steam's blockchain, S T E E M. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really a showcase of what their blockchain um, API or their block- blockchain system can do. So they allow developers to create apps using their system. And what's nice is these apps, you can use them to incentivize your users. So on Steemit, for example, if you make a post that's very popular, you're going to get paid for that. You know, as opposed to Instagram or Facebook, you know, unless you're <laughs> unless you work in social media, right? right social right, marketing right. or uh, digital marketing, but you're actually going to get paid for that from the people who are viewing your content. Okay, and also if you contribute to the social media platform in any way, for example, if you're commenting mm-hmm. and people like your comment. You're going to get paid for that on this platform. And that's that's very interesting to me. It's a very interesting dynamic. And it's interesting that a blockchain technology has found a way through this decentralized network to now attribute real value to social interaction in a way where other platforms that are centralized, more traditional social media platforms or media platforms in general, are centralized and have almost an artificial value to social interactions. So I think the idea of bit of blockchain blockchain technology almost radicalizing the norm of social interaction online now is very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you look at an example like Facebook, I don't think I've ever been paid by Facebook <laughs> for any of my posts, but if you're a digital marketer, you know, you can use Facebook uh, as an advertisement platform, I think a lot of people do. Yes, which is good, but it's you know you're getting paid from Facebook indirectly that way. You're just, you mm-hmm. know you're using it to find your audience, and with YouTube, you're relying on YouTube's rules. And I know for a lot of YouTube content creators, uh, probably some in your audience, they have seen the that adpocalypse where you know Google started stripping ads off of. Uh, or demonetizing their content. And a lot of YouTubers have taken a financial hit for that. 
The reason for that is because Google owns that server. Your content is sitting on their server, and if they want to advertise on it, they can, and if not, then they won't, and that's all, the, all up to them. But in a decentralized social media platform, the, the control is in the user's hands. If somebody likes your content, that's what's going to be displayed at the top of the list, and you're going to pay, be paid directly for it. So let's talk a little bit because most of the folks that listen to this podcast, a lot of them are content creators or a lot of them work in an industry where they are promoting, amplifying content, and they are used to tools that are familiar with the mainstream. Mm. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We've talked about all of those on this show and will continue to do so in the future because that's where people are connecting. That's where massive amounts of people are gathering online, viewing content, and how those people view content impacts businesses and brands that are trying to reach those folks. So why haven't more people heard of these decentralized platforms like Steemit, which seem to incentivize and reward users for social interactions that they're doing anyway? Why haven't we, well, I shouldn't say definitively, but why do you feel that more people aren't aware of these uh, blockchain technology powered platforms? Yeah, I think uh I'm sure the Steemit community is doing research into this. I would hope they are. So I don't know the exact answer. I can only speculate. And uh, one thing I would point out is the first time I heard about Steemit, obviously, was through you know, some, some research that I was doing in blockchain. And when I arrived at their site, I noticed a lot of the content was blockchain related, right. which is fine, but it's only going to appeal to somebody who's interested in blockchain. Now I'm happy to see when I go on Steemit that there's other content that's making it to the top, people that are traveling, people that like to live stream gaming, stuff that you might see on YouTube mm -hmm. already, people that are um, teaching classes on specific topics not involving blockchain. So I think the fact that, it, that their audience and the user base was mostly um, consisted of blockchain users, I think that uh, that kind of slowed it down because that's, you know... You're hoping that blockchain's trending, and if it's not, you're not going to really grow that that base. Uh, the other thing is, and I don't know if, if this necessarily applies, but the fact that it's decentralized, as much of a positive as that is, you also don't have a big corporation or company behind it that's willing to market it. Mm. You know, you're not going to see ads for this stuff. You know, Bitcoin, anything that, that you've learned about Bitcoin has come organically because of its price. Somebody mm -hmm. reported about it. But there's nobody sitting there marketing Bitcoin to you, telling you, hey, come you know, come buy Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And if they are, they're a third party. Mm -hmm. It's not Bitcoin itself because Bitcoin is decentralized. So I think in a way that kind of hurts it. But I think uh, also that as we... Um, I, I, blockchain's here to stay. That yeah. technology's here to stay. It's useful to people. It's efficient when done right, and I think that's the experiment that's been happening for the past year. Right, so in, in we really could be looking at the start of a revolution here with how a lot of centralized platforms and networks that are currently dominating the mainstream and how people get content, interact with content, um, get services and other things like that. We could be looking at a revolution where a lot of those potentially could become decentralized or or executed through decentralized networks and platforms. Absolutely. I think the most important 
uh, thing to come out of the the price of Bitcoin this past year, mm. other than the people who made a quick buck, right. was the fact that it shined a pretty bright light on this technology. And it got enough people into the community, enough developers into the community that they're now creating these products. And yes, I believe you're right. We are in the infancy of this. And I think uh, what people are trying to figure out now is Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin, I'm sorry, blockchain looks like it's useful. What is it useful for? And that will all, I think um, there's a market that will decide that. Mm -hmm. So my recommendation would, would be anybody who's interested in Bitcoin, my recommendation would be not to just stop at Bitcoin. You know, it's definitely interesting to learn about it. But look at the other projects around blockchain and, and see if there's anything that you're interested in or any, there, there might, a lot of these projects are startups. So they're people trying to solve problems. They might solve your problem. For example, Steam's goal was to help you incentivize your users. So if you're developing an app and the things, the, the things that you want your users to do aren't happening organically, mm -hmm. you know, and gamification isn't necessarily working, mm -hmm. you can just pay your users with a cryptocurrency in that case and say, hey, well, if you do more of this, you're going to get more money. So it's a, it's, a, it's a new way of incentivizing users and kind of controlling your app. So it introduces this new dynamic. But that's just one example of hundreds of problems that cryptocurrency uh, startups are trying to solve. I shouldn't say cryptocurrency. Blockchain startups are trying to solve with blockchain technology. That's very, very interesting. Um, I feel like we've covered so much during this episode, I really appreciate you really kind of jumping on and joining us and, and really breaking it down because I know for many people like myself, there's a vast amount of information and there's a lot of things that we can go read about and then walk away with really no understanding. And I think sometimes being able to draw and glean insight from someone's personal experience and, and their own story as told in their own words can be extremely powerful. And I think with a subject as complex as Bitcoin and blockchain technology, this has been immensely helpful. So I want to thank you again for joining the episode. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, once we've covered and handled business, we can't let you go. You've listened to the show. You're familiar with the show. We always end with getting to know our guests a little better. We have an unnamed segment that we just call 10 Funny Cool Questions. That is an unofficial, unofficial name. We still need someone to help us name this segment of the podcast. Um, if you have a suggestion for this section of the podcast, hit us up. Hit me up, Austin at BurbLifeOrNothing.com. But let's just jump into it. We're going to get to know you a little better. So I prepared a few questions. We'll cue the music. And here we go. All right. So I'm going to ask you 10 random questions to help us get to know Justin. Um, I want you to answer with the, really the first thing that comes into your head um, as I read through these questions. And just kind of, again, top of the dome. Give me what you got. Funny, silly, whatever. And we'll keep it going. Sound good? Yes. All right. Yeah, let's do it. After we do this, we'll let you give us one bit of feedback or one nugget to end off with. You shout out your social mentions or anything like that, and then we'll call it a day. All right. First question. Better barbecue item, ribs or brisket? I'm going to have to go with ribs. Mmm. Love barbecue ribs. Uh, who's more? Who was more iconic? Or... Is that past or present? I should say, okay, who was more iconic? Michael Jackson or Prince? Oh, I think Michael Jackson. 
Mm, any reason why? I think Michael Jackson's more of a household name. I mean, obviously Prince is Prince, right? They're both big names, but you know, Michael Jackson will always be the king of pop, right? Yeah. He's the king. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you might have a number of Prince fans that are, are hating. No, no, I, I'm a Prince I, fan too, but yeah, I mean, come I on, know. Michael Jackson was on stage at what? How old was he? I'm going to stay out of this one. <laughs> I don't want any angry emails. Uh, who do you consider a better businessman, Michael Jordan or Jay-Z? I'm going to have to give it to Jay-Z, but that's only because I've been following Jay-Z's moves a little bit more than I followed Michael Jordan's. I mean, obviously, I have a pair of Jordans, so I know (laughs) what Jordan's doing and the other endorsements. But I feel like, I don't know if I'm supposed to dive deep into the answers here. I feel like people came up to MJ and were like, hey, man, can we put your name on our sneaker? And I feel like Jigga went out and got... So you feel like yeah, I, went, I feel like Jigga went and The opportunities that he had came from his own pursuit versus... More so than, than Michael did. Jordan. Okay, all right. A silly one, vanilla wafers or graham crackers? I like them both, but probably graham crackers. Graham crackers, graham crackers are always solid. And you can do some more. You can't do that with vanilla wafers. No. All right, question number five. Who do you consider the most attractive pop singer currently performing? Someone that's active, someone that's out right now. I like Rihanna. She's out right now. Rihanna is out right now, and that is a <laughs> solid answer. No one's going to dispute you. Rihanna is, yeah. All right, we're just going to leave it at that. Uh, question number six. If you could reincarnate as an ocean dweller, but could only be- choose between seahorse or sea urchin, which would you choose? Seahorse. As far as I know, sea urchins are like stuck to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, see, seahorse have the mobility. So seahorse originally, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I would choose seahorse at first glance, but I read that a seahorse only has a life expectancy of expectancy of about one to three years, whereas the urchin, you get about thirty. Yeah, but you're thirty years stuck in one spot. <laughs> you know, I like the mobility. I got plus you. You're the, just gonna yeah. live wild and free as a seahorse for that one, one to three years. Yeah. Then. Plus, if if reincarnation exists at that point, you just like I'm rolling the dice again. I got you. <laughs> All right, number seven. What's the stupidest thing that you've purchased within the last three months? <laughs> Come on, they're all here on on the, on for the dreamers podcast. Oh. Dumbest thing I purchased. Can you cut out dead air? Give me a second. I want to think about it. Oh, no. We got it. We got it. Yeah, it's right going to be. Boom. The dumbest thing that you purchased. Stupidest thing that you purchased in the last three months. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know Come you. Come on, man. I just I bought a house, you. so I've been really, really yeah, just fiscally responsible. Oh, oh I got it. So got he it. probably hasn't made any poor financial no, decisions. No, I have. No, I I recently overspent on this vacation package that I just bought. Uh, yeah, well, they cold called me and I bought it. You, you, That's you, you fell for it. But oh, I think man. I'm gonna enjoy that. You one. probably will, yeah. but I, I didn't know. have the money right now to At buy the time, it. But I, did it I got anyway. you. Yep. All right, what's a better brand, Adidas or Nike? I like Nike. Nike, yeah. you with the swoosh? I can't. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting one. This is question number nine. Who has a more impressive filmography, Will Smith? Or Denzel Washington. No, I did not ask who's the better actor. Who yeah. has a more impressive filmography? Yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna hand it to Will Smith. Ooh. And I'm a big fan of both of theirs. 
And matter of fact, it, now that I think about it, there's a lot of Denzel Washington movies oh. that are like some of my favorite movies of all time. But uh, I gotta give it to Will Smith because, and, and it's kind. You know, I know you said not who's the better actor, but the thing about Will Smith's breath of work is that it's it's diverse. There's a lot of different roles that he's played, so that means there's a lot of different types of movies. That he's all right, all right. I have a few thoughts that probably would differ, but I, I'll right. let you have that one. And final question. This is an interesting one, and only because I know you. Would you work in the Trump administration right now if it could quadruple your salary? Nope. No, and that is that is that is <laughs> what I expected. That's the easiest one for Justin Votto. Justin, before we let you go, man, just give us one nugget based off our conversation today. I feel like you dropped so many dimes. Um, just give us something that you want to leave with the audience before we get out of here. Yeah, you know, I uh, let's see. Jeez, I'm not a man of wisdom. <laughs> necessarily but uh i don't know just it, unrelated to our conversation just try try to enjoy life first and foremost really it's like very that. broad and, and maybe basic but if you're not enjoying what you're doing don't chase money don't you know enjoy your life i like that i like that justin where can the listeners find you do you have any social any websites that you want to shout out if people wanted to connect yeah, with you or find you unlike most of your audience i'm not necessarily like a digital marketer so i'm not all over social media but i did put up a few, <laughs> few tutorials on youtube at one point and i can be reached from my youtube page it's jaa228 so yeah go check out my old tutorials and if you want to and you can reach me there and I got to give a shout out to my guy. This man is, he's a beast, really. I mean, he covers everything from IT stuff to physics and everything in between. He is well-versed in a lot. He is a master of all, I would say, a jack of all trades. He doesn't, is, 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 he's a super smart guy, super personable. I encourage you to check out his YouTube stuff. He might have old content on there, but trust me, if you reach out to him about a specific topic, especially if it pertains to IT, maybe you're interested in some physics stuff, maybe you're interested in just some computer stuff, um, reach out to him. He's a great guy. You can find him on YouTube. Um, maybe you can connect and get his email as well. Um, but I encourage any of the users that are listening that might even have um, questions that kind of hit on other topics that we didn't cover, especially as it relates to IT, reach out to him. He's a great guy. He's very responsive. And so, Justin, again, thanks for joining the episode. We appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me again. And for those listening, thanks you for joining us again. We'll be back next week with more content on For the Dreamers podcast. Be well. So I-